Hi there, I'm Jason Shulman, and this is New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. My guest today is Adam Lockyer, who's a senior lecturer in security studies at Macquarie University. Here to talk about his new book, Australia's Defense Strategy, Evaluating Alternatives for a Contested Asia, published in January 2017. Hi there, I'm Jason Shulman, and this is New Books in Australian and New Zealand Studies. My guest today is Adam Lockyer, who's a senior lecturer in security studies at Macquarie University. Here to talk about his new book, Australia's Defense Strategy, Evaluating Alternatives for a Contested Asia, published in January 2017 by Melbourne University Press. Adam, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. Great to have you today. So, Adam, before we get to how to evaluate a defense strategy, maybe you can tell us what, what is a defense strategy? Yes, so a defense strategy is different from a military strategy. So we normally think about a military strategy as one that's used during wartime, whereas defense strategy is normally understood as being used during peacetime. So it's not about the application of military force in the sense of actually shooting, but how you use your military capabilities in order to mitigate threats. So to make those threats to your country less likely to occur, and if they do occur, that you're going to be in a better position to reduce the severity of those threats. Mm-hmm. As you say in the book, it, it's, not a, it's not a book of rules for fighting wars. It's, it's bringing more of a philosophical analysis to how to think about military strategic ideas? Yes. So the problem with evaluating different defense strategies is that we don't have uh, significant empirical evidence to test these these different contending approaches. So fortunately, um, on the one hand, countries like Australia have fairly rarely been attacked. So Australia has only been attacked once um, in its history, and that was during the Second World War when Darwin was bombed by the Japanese. So we don't have sufficient empirical historical examples of when one defense strategy is going to be successful compared to others. So we need to lean more heavily upon the theory of strategy itself in order to come to some kind of evaluation of the different defense options that are currently available to countries like Australia. So if we can't look to history, what other toolkit do we have? Can we do kind of theoretical thinking, simulations? Yes, so simulations have um, some utility here. Um, However, the, the limitations of simulations is that they're confined by the different rules of the simulations. So if you think about simulations in the American context, um, you normally have these different simulations that are written by the U.S. Army or the U.S. Marines or the U.S. Navy, and they'll bias one service over the other. Now, you might bring in different simulations that will try to be uh, include all the different branches, but they tend to favor one side or the other. So simulations tend to be better at that operational level of, of nutting out the actual, uh, how these different strategies are going to play out in reality. So they have some limitations there. So what I argue in the book is we should lean more heavily upon the theory and the philosophy behind strategy itself. Mm-hmm. Now, the uh, philosophy of strategy or what strategy is, 
has been developed over hundreds of years. And at this point, it's fairly well established that what strategy is, is the pursuit of high-end political goals through the use of available means in the presence of a thinking opponent, an opponent who's going to react to your own strategy and your and how they're going to predict what you're going to do next. So we can use these three different criteria to understand, well, what is a good defense strategy? Let's talk a bit about Australia. What is the current state, would you say, of Australia's defense strategy, and how is it different from the past? So we're coming to a fork in the road where we have a number of different defense options available to Australia, and no one's quite sure which path to go down. So the four different options broadly, uh, we can either concentrate on protecting the uh, geographical homeland of Australia. Now, this defense option treats Australia as, uh, as a fortified moat. So Australia is an island, we're surrounded by sea, and anyone who wants to come and attack Australia will need to come by sea or land. So we have this protective moat. Now, this argument says that if we have sufficient submarines, if we have sufficient aircraft, no one's going to be able to reach Australia uh, because they'll either be shot down or sunk on the way here. So that's one defense option. The next one will say, well, what that fails to understand is that Australia is just far too big to protect through a shield alone. Um, Australia is the same size as continental United States, yet our population is more equivalent to Florida. So you can imagine the, uh, the, the population of Florida spread across the entire continent of Australia and how thinly populated that would be. We've got a very small defence force. Um, the entire Australian army is about 30,000 strong. And to put that into some sort of context, there's about 24,000 people that work each day at the Pentagon. So it's, it's, it, we're, we're dealing with a very small population relative to the size of our, our continent. So we can't protect Australia through a shield. This argument says we need to look at the deterrence. So um, that if we can't rely on the shield, we need to rely more on the sword. So nobody will attack Australia if we have a credible deterrent that we can go off and bomb a capital city or, or, or um, use cyber attacks or something that's going to be offensive. A third uh, argument says Australia isn't going to be attacked in the near future. Australia is secure. No one, there isn't a hostile country that's looking to attack Australia. And we're not going to be attacked uh, while there's a stable regional and global order. So Australia ought to be partnering with other status quo countries like the United States, Japan, India, and as long as we have a strong, stable region and um, international order, Australia is relatively secure. Finally, they, there's a, a final school of thought which says all of this is rubbish because um, when you look at what the Australian Defence Force actually does and has done so since the Second World War, isn't state-on-state -state type of conflict. The type of threats that we should be preparing for is uh, terrorism, is state failure, is counterinsurgency in places like South Vietnam, East Timor, Afghanistan, Iraq, Somalia, 
the list goes on. So we've got these four different uh, options available, and the consequences for which path we go down down is very substantial because in one hand, we want to buy submarines and aircraft. The next one, we want a larger army. So it really matters about well, which one we decide to base our defense forces on. That's right, and, and there's kind of questions about budgets, transactions, co- transaction costs, but there's also politics, right? That's right. So the uh, one of the um, things that I found when I was researching this is Australia goes through these different areas of defence strategy and defence policy, yet it doesn't have much of an effect. So when you think about since the Second World War, we had uh, what we called forward defence, which we try to um, project military force up in through Southeast Asia up through uh, Singapore and Malaysia and stop the spread of communism uh, coming south towards Australia. Here, this is when Australia partnered with the United States to fight in places like South Vietnam. Um, Then we moved to more of a, not not quite an isolationist approach, but we we concentrated on the defence of Australia. So this was more like the the first option that I, I, I outlined a bit earlier. And now we've gone on to more of a expeditionist type of approach where we're off fighting terrorists and insurgents in Afghanistan, Iraq, and elsewhere. So we've gone through these big different um, eras of defense strategy. And yet when you look at what Australia possesses in terms of its balance between its Air Force, Navy, and Army, and you look at the mix of capabilities within the Australian Defense Forces, it doesn't change much. Um, so we have to be a little bit um, realistic about how this big grand strategy actually affects procurement and defence uh, changes the actual makeup of the Australian Defence Force because it seems to be um, quite um, resistant to change, uh, even when the official guidance is, is changing radically. I want to ask you about, uh, in the subtitle of your book, uh, you say, um, alternatives for a contested Asia. What, what, what does that uh, imply for Australia? And I know you've spent some time in Washington, D.C. Uh, how does the uh, American situation fit in with the uh, d- decisions that uh, Australian policymakers have to make? Yes, yeah, so um, in many ways, um, Australia is looking for some kind of guidance from the United States because our defence policy will largely be influenced by what the United States decides to do. Um, whether or not the United States decides to come to some sort of compromise with the, the rise of China and say and says to China that they could have their sphere of influence and the United States will pull back, perhaps saying that China has legitimate um, security concerns around the South China Sea and and it's um, in its near seas, and the United States is going to pull back to, say, Guam or someplace like that, um, then Australia would readjust its defence policy based upon that. Maybe the United States decides to maintain its preponderance of power right through Asia and say to China it has no legitimate claim to, um, to a, a, a security sphere around its country, and that the United States is going to continue to sail its aircraft carriers up and down the coast of China as it sees fit, in which case Australia will then readjust compared to that. Or the United States might decide to 
become more isolationist and hand over leadership in Asia to China, in which case Australia needs to adjust to that. So in many ways, Australia, Canberra is waiting to get clear signals from Washington so it can readjust. This is all against a backdrop of the rise of China and also the rise of India. So um, the headline is that China is rising, it's a destabilizing fa factor here, and um, Australia needs to readjust its defense strategy based upon the relationship between the United States and China. However, on the other coast, um, off into the Indian Ocean, we have another rising great power, and that's India. India is probably about 20 to 30 years behind where China is at the moment, but if we're going to make long-term strategic decisions about what submarines to buy, aircraft, we need to factor in that India, too, is going to rise to great power status, and it's likely that um, India and, and China are going to con continue to compete for influence um, in through Southeast Asia, and that's the northern border of Australia. So we need to take that in consideration as well. You say that the defence debate in Australia uh, is in a bit of a deadlock. What do you think it'll take to uh, resolve it and move forward? I think that um, the discussion needs to, um, to progress through some kind of evaluation of these different options. Because at the moment, it tends to be circular. That one says, one side might say we should be doing this, and the other side says we should be doing that. And as I said, that there is very little evidence to show which one is right and which one's wrong. So it's the debate really disintegrates down into I reckon. And that's no way of to, to advance, advance the debate and advance the discussion. So the main purpose of the book and what I wanted to get from the book is some kind of objective evaluation framework that we can then use to um, overlay on the different options and hopefully use that uh, to advance the debate down the road. Adam, thanks so much for joining us today. That's Adam Lockyer. He's a senior lecturer in security studies at Macquarie University. His new book is Australia's Defense Strategy, Evaluating Alternatives for a Contested Asia, published in January 2017 by Melbourne University Press. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.